Always weird to get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the nerd. I'm Ian. Uh, how are you? Are you feeling more settled in? I think that um, we as human beings have a miraculous capacity to normalize anything. Um, I remember reading about a study done where uh, they interviewed lottery winners the year they won the lottery and at the end of the year. Um, and after a couple... After and, and there was a control group that obviously just didn't win. And after a year, the reported um, the lottery winners reported equal levels of happiness and misery as the control group did. And I've always kind of remembered that as, you know, what a um, curiously human thing that is. And that works the other direction, too. Um, it's kind of an astonishing ability that we have. Uh, if I grew a third arm after a year, I'd probably like, yeah, that's my third arm. I don't know. I don't really do anything with it. It may seem like a depressing thing when it comes to the fact that, um, kind of naturally maintaining gratitude for our circumstances isn't in our nature. Um, it's something that I, I, I think that we have to reach for. Of course, there's always a problem when you speak with big, broad generalizations. But um, uh, in the times we're living in right now, I think that that propensity is a bit of a godsend. Uh, you know, because as I said, it's not just um, the fact that we kind of, in our nature, lower the highs, but uh, adjust to the lows as well. So, anyway, um, I have a... Today on the podcast, I have a shameful admission to make to you. I want to do a little dirty VR talk. Rest easy, those two topics aren't actually related. And uh, after that, I want to respond to a couple of comments, to a couple of comments, and then uh, we're going to um, end by continuing our fanfic reading... Chapter 13 of Here is Gone by Terry Boda. Um, since I don't have a lot for you today, uh, we may do Chapter 14 as well, depending on how that time goes. But I always say I think I have less uh, to share with and talk to you about than I do. Um, so how am I? Well, uh, like I said, I am feeling better, better than I did last week. And I think largely I have you to blame for that. Um, starting the podcast out last Monday and decompressing, going over the resolutions and setting some goals really kind of started the week off on the right foot. And journaling every morning has still been a key to keeping that rolling, maintaining that every day. Um, you know, for me, it's the, it's no easy task to sit in the room and have a chatty chat with, um, my imaginary friends, <laughs> which you have to admit is a little bit of uh, what this is. Um, and I always, there's always that, that kind of stage fright. I've realized that every podcast kind of starts out with me uh, babbling a little bit to no one, but it's, it's like, you know, get, a writer getting their fingers moving on the keyboard, you know, just getting the mouth, uh, talky with the makey make, um, kind of, you know, it's like slipping into a bath and, and getting the conversation going. But, um, 
nonetheless, even with the challenge of getting started, it is, uh, it's a great way for me to start the week and, um, refocusing last week on resolutions and stuff like that, uh, was helpful. Um, I got a lot of writing done on family. It's a complex one. Surprise, surprise for a Whedon and written, Whedon written and directed episode. And part of my challenge with the episode was kind of understanding uh, its structure. I, I think it, it um, has an air of whimsy to it that uh, is important when interpreting the tone. And um, I wonder, I, I think it's always interesting to read some uh, feedback people have about an episode. I heard someone in our... Uh, Patreon hangout rate family poorly, and I always th- I thought it was uh, one of those. One- Maybe I'm thinking of Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Um, anyway, there was an episode I was surprised. I always thought it was um, rated a little more highly, but um, I love it. I think it's gorgeous, and um, looking forward to talking about it. I think I have a bunch of good stuff for um, the video, too. Jack and I have also been recording and editing patron bonuses. Um, That has been partially responsible for me kind of going a little bit more slowly with family. Um, I want to get the uh, patron bonuses current, and that, uh, at the moment, we are attacking old requests that we had not fulfilled. Uh, I want to get those done, and then I'm going to be reaching out to everyone on Patreon um, to get requests for the new one, and that just needs to be a process that kind of runs in tandem. I also wanted to get back to eating better and uh, fitness. I got two runs in, uh, probably about seven miles um, total, and was intermittent fasting again. Holy cow, uh, did running feel good. Um, All the... I can't remember the name of the chemical that it it fights, but it's a chemical that is uh, very much related to anxiety, and running burns it up, lowers it. Um, I ran on Wednesday, Thursday, so you can see it took me a little bit to get the... uh, to get um, the engine, the motor running, and Friday I felt like me. Uh, That's a nice feeling. Um, And especially without... All of us kind of moving around and getting a, getting out and about right now. Um, man, I think exercise is probably even more important than... Um, it's always important. Anyway, um, two check minuses. Oh, yes, and I was intermittent fasting. Two, um, two check minuses or needs improvement would be in the realm of dating messages and adult juice boxes. Even though things were much better. Uh, rather than coping mechanism boozing that was happening the week before, I had some wine with some friends. That was about it. So, say lovey. Uh, I'm still going to call it a productive week. Pat myself on the back. Go me. And um, move ahead with the same goals for next week. Uh, all right. So, uh, shameful admission. I don't like to indulge in grief not publicly, uh, very much. So I told you last week I was going to get into Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Um, a couple of people very generously submitted suggested skip guides to get through the dry first and second season, the necessity for which I'm very familiar to when it comes to mid-90s Trek. And instead, when I wasn't working on scripts or Patreon stuff this past week, I spent a lot of my time binging... 
the first season of House with Hugh Laurie. Um, I don't know what happened. I swear. I uh, Doing what I do, I spend a lot of time on YouTube, and the algorithm happened to throw me one or two uh, clips from House. I don't know why. It's always interesting uh, the way these things kind of work. And now I'm watching the show on Amazon Prime. So the concept to me, which um, seems to vaguely be, uh, what if Sherlock Holmes lived in modern times and worked in a hospital uh, with his bits of sociopathy and trainees in tow? Um, and I'm enjoying it. It's fine. It's fine. It's 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 very escapist, um, exceptionally formulaic, but grounded in a wonderful performance by Hugh Laurie. Um, I haven't watched a show like this since Castle, but it's comforting, dramatic, and fun. And um, I'll get back to DS9. Uh, so that's the shameful admission. I apologize. Uh, okay, so VR, it's not just, I don't know why I wrote this, it's not just for looking at naked people anymore, though there is that, of course. Um, I want to talk a little dirty for a minute. We're all adults here, right? We all have parts, naughty uh, parts, and I don't think they are anything to be ashamed of. Uh, I've been thinking this week about the implications of VR tech. And I was going to wear my hat for uh, the duration of uh, this section, but I don't know, I don't want to cheapen it. So Jack and I have been getting back to watching Next Generation uh, now that the good place ennui, the good place induced ennui has passed that I was experiencing. And we hit... The first Barkley episode, Lieutenant Barkley, uh, Hollow Pursuits, and I wanted to talk about it. So, if you don't watch Star Trek, uh, their ship, the Enterprise, has these things called holodecks, where you can create totally lifelike scenarios of anything and anyone you want. Um, and Hollow Pursuits is the first episode where uh, featuring Barkley, who suffers from heavy anxiety and social phobia. And um, as a result, makes holographic simulations of the whole crew and puts them in various fantasy situations for him to work his emotions out on in the holodeck. Um, I mean, I say work out, but that's really that's really not what it is, right? He's not working through something. He's uh, escaping and indulging in a personal fantasy where that he has control over and power over. Um, he gets chastised by the real Riker and in one scene creates a holodeck fantasy where he beats Riker up and uh, while another, well, a very um, interested Deanna Troy looks on and is excited by his violence. And as Barkley and virtual Deanna are just about to, you know, seal the deal. If you can't talk about it, Willow... Um, Barkley gets a call from the real world. In a later scene, he's getting a sexy therapy session from Deanna and changes the scenario to her being a Greek goddess of empathy before he starts making out with her. It's super fascinating stuff. Um, and surprisingly sex-forward 
for uh, Star Trek, especially early 90s um, Star Trek. Uh, they get a little more risque every once in a while, but at the point where I met in the series um, with Jack, you know, um, Picard meets Vosh on a planet in Captain's Holiday, and they're under a blanket together, and they start making out fully clothed and fade to black, commercial time, come back, and they're now hiking through uh, the cave still fully clothed. The implication being that they got a little pelvic with each other, but plausible enough deniability for the censors. So, um, Barkley sexualizing his crewmates, but not only that, without their consent, but not only that, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. So when the crew discovers what Barkley has been doing, their reactions are generally all played for laughs. Riker tries to discontinue a tiny Riker version of himself. Indiana won't let him, saying understanding Barclay's fantasy world is important for understanding what he's going through. Then she sees the goddess of empathy version of herself, a version that it is implied Barclay might have been having sex with. You know, the Buffy bot. Except on the holodeck. Um, actually, I didn't think of the Buffy bot before um, I wrote the notes for this script. And the Buffy bot handles the... Uh, the Buffy bot is the next iteration of this. So this is a, was early to, uh, 1990s, and Buffy bot was early 2000s, I believe. And um, 100% gets called as gross and violating and all of that. The robot goes away, she says, after she kisses him in uh, the cape. But anyway, let me let, uh, let me... Anyway, so uh, Goddess of Empathy implied that Barkley and his facsimile of uh, Troy were doing it. And Riker and Jordy tease her about it. Jordy, who incidentally earlier that season created a holodeck simulation of a real woman he'd never met in real life and fell in love with her. Later, that woman makes a trip to the Enterprise and discovers his simulation. So thinking about simulations, um, there's another one in Buffy, too, beyond just the Buffy bot, uh, that it's not so cut and dry. dry. I think we all have a visceral visceral reaction when it comes to um, things like Spike and things like um, Barkley. But I'm also reminded of that scene in Buffy where Willow finds one of Tara's old dresses in their room and uses magic to have the dress take form so she can caress it and lay in its lap. That is a simulation of Tara. Just because um, she's transparent uh, and uh, has no hands or head doesn't mean that Willow isn't in some way using the dress and the smell of the dress and to take shape and to to stand in for Terra. Um, and I think it, it bears consideration in this the the idea of the questions raised by the technology. Now the enterprise is a utopia. No money, no hunger, no fear uh, for safety, and the episode treats Barkley as a little pathetic. Um, something worthy of pity. And as brilliant as Next Generation was, I think at times the writers played with certain sci-fi ideas without fully considering their implications. Um, 
in the inner light, for instance, Picard's mind is taken over by this probe that causes him to live an entire simulated lifetime on a planet, close to a simulated lifetime on a planet, uh, with a species that died off. He has a wife, he has children, he grows to be an old man, and watches the launch of the probe that took his mind over, and then wakes up on the Enterprise where only 20 minutes has gone by. I've seen interviews with the writers where they admitted they never really thought about just how brutal a thing that would be to a human being or or to Picard. And I, th I think the um, morality, the ethics of Barclay creating real people he knows on the holodeck that he interacts with either violently or sexually is something the writers didn't really consider all the way through because the thought of a holodeck probably felt like such far-flung fantasy. And yet, do I look cool? This is the future of gaming, everyone. The VR face and the edit face are very similar. Anyway, um, the holodecks are here, right? Uh, they don't look like what they did on the Enterprise yet. Uh, they don't have the level of sophistication but they can do enough of the same thing that it might be time we take a closer look at those questions and their implications both for us as people and in relationships. Um, and it isn't really just the ability to simulate environments. Sexual telepresence is a thing. You can buy sex toys with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth cards in them. A cam performer... Uh, can make a recording of themselves interacting with their toy, and when someone on the other end watches uh, that recording, they have the complementary device, which duplicates everything the performer did. Virtual, live, or recorded sexual interaction. Now, if you're in a relationship, is that cheating? And isn't that a question that we have to ask? It's a recording. Uh... But it is, it is uh, a sexual act being performed on a partner by the recording, which was recorded by an actual human being. Like the it, that that one kind of blows my mind a little bit. And with deep fakes, we already can create simulations of each other. The most common application I've seen of this is in video. I'll put a couple in the show notes. Work for work safe ones, I promise. But it's it's just interesting technology. Um, to take a so the most common application I've seen of this is in video. Take a library of photos of one person, uh, uh, and the computer algorithm uses that library to replace the face of another person in a video. And it's a short walk from there to being able to do the same thing with a character in a full uh, digital space. And I would bet that most of us end relationships with photo libraries full of that person's face. And take the Barclay sex stuff out of it. Imagine someone you love leaves you or dies, and you can use VR and your photo library to create a virtual representation of them. Sit with them and watch the sunset again. Lie with them in bed. I didn't care, uh, personally care very much for Black Mirror, but in an episode of the show I probably enjoyed the most, since it wasn't played for scares and I am anti-technophobia, uh, a woman loses her husband and at first creates an AI version of him, an AI that uses his online social media accounts to gather personality data and create a simulated version of him to, for her to talk to. 
And again, I think most of us have a very, um, a pretty visceral or specific reaction to this kind of thing when sex is involved. Because something about that just feels more self-evidently wrong. But what about the Willow situation? You know, um, grief as a way of... And, 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 and as human beings, if we're interacting with a virtual representation of the person that we lost, are we actually traversing the threshold of grief? Are we going through all of those things, the, 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 the steps necessary to complete that process? And we adults grapple enough with morality and ethics, but what about a teenager who may not be as far along in Kohlberg's stages of moral development, and they have the ability to create a VR version of their crush from class? You know, uh, we people, weird, emotional, hornball animal prone to obsessions and addictions, We've already seen technology interacting with us in weird, unpredictable ways and reshaping society without anyone but the stockholders guiding the new shape. Look at social media and cor the corresponding rise of isolation and depression. Now give that lonely person a VR headset. I don't know. <clears throat> I'm rambling a bit. I don't have any answers, but this is one of the reasons I love Star Trek as much as I do. Hollow Pursuits aired 30 years ago and has some deeply relevant questions to ask that are uh, for contemporary society or of contemporary society. And it does so with characters I love and an exciting plot. And in my mind, that is what good science fiction is for examining the intersection between technology and humanity. And that is, to me, what most modern Trek, as slick and fun and beautifully composed as it is, uh, isn't doing. They are... It's not stimulating my mind. Um, and I can't think of a single idea in the uh, three recent movies that I was left contemplating in the way I was left contemplating this episode about Barkley. And it's uh, kind of a day-in-the-life episode that is very character-driven um, and yet deals with these high-end questions. Um, despite, despite playing Barclay's creation of his real crewmates without their consent for laughs, I think Hollow Pursuits does try and offer an answer to some of the questions it raises, and that is personal responsibility and compassion. His crewmates treat him compassionately, and that gives Barkley the courage to take responsibility for what he's been doing and to stop and to step off the holodeck and get out of the virtual space. Um, <clears throat> and at the end of the day, the, the uh, these kinds of things are so, I, I don't want to say out of control, but so um, complicated and so by virtue of the internet the tools are so accessible to all of us that um, I, I don't know that you can make laws to dictate dictate morality and ethics in this way I think that that it comes down to us speaking to our kids about 
why these things are wrong. It, it does come down to uh, personal responsibility. I took a little break in writing my notes for this to have lunch and noticed there's a story in my Google News feed. We need to talk about the ethics of VR now before it's too late. From Upload VR, and it has a shot of Wesley meeting his deceased father Jack on the holodeck of the Enterprise uh, on the holodeck in the episode Family. I haven't read it, but I think I'll link to the article in the show notes. That's either a fascinating example of the social zeitgeist at work, or Google being a damn creeper again and seeing this script. Uh, we're living in the future, folks. All of that is to say. Half-Life Alex is amazing, and I'm a huge VR fan. All right, um, I wanted to respond to a couple of comments. I requested and received a bunch of reading recommendations last week, which was great. Thank you, everyone who sent me some. Uh, I added them to the spreadsheet. Zara, uh, which is an awesome name, left a comment on last week's podcast, Vacationing in the Land of Not Coping, with some reading recommendations that I added to the list and went on to say, and by the way, I really look forward to the podcast, not just because I don't have much else today to do nowadays, but also it keeps me accountable in these days too, so please don't stop even if you are in a rut. Zara, I can't tell you what it means to me that other people are using this weekly check-in the same way that I am. I mean, it's a weird thing, right? I'm sitting in front of a microphone once a week for an hour, talking out loud in my room, to no one, except for the cat, who's currently taking a nap on the other side of this monitor. But she doesn't care what I think. And I talk about problems, aspirations, process, then I ball all of that up and throw that out into the ether, thinking maybe someone will get something out of this. Uh, it's weird, this thing, right? It's a leap of faith. Uh, so I love hearing it's useful. Thank you. Brandy Yala commented on last week's podcast saying, I've been coping by knitting. It keeps, hands, keeps my hands and brains, uh, brain occupied so I don't just sit here and stew while spending too much time on Facebook. I find the only thing I've wanted to make recently are stuffed bunnies. I think this is because I'm hoping things will have calmed down enough by Easter to gather. And if this is the case, then I want to have decorations for the table. I, it might be a vain hope, but it's mine. Without it, I'm back to doing over Facebook. Brandy, I too have been having to catch myself every time my focus on writing breaks for a second. Suddenly I'm scrolling through Twitter again, and nine times out of ten, I feel worse when I do. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a new impulse for me or one that I've just been noticing now, because, you know, the world is a bit depressing, uh, but I am seeing that happen, and I'm just having to regularly corral uh, the impulse now whenever I notice it happening. Uh, the other thing I'll say, Brandy, is never begrudge or trivialize your own source of hope in tough times. Hope is the light on the horizon, right? Illuminates the path in front of us to get through today. Whatever gets that done right now, I don't think is trivial. Brandy then goes on to recommend I read Watership Down. Glad you're helping me keep my reading list light, Brandy. <laughs> anyway, I put both of your recommendations on the list. All right. Um, this week, I'm going to be wrapping up Family. Goal is to be able to start recording and editing tomorrow. 
Uh, should have an edit stream this week. Jack and I are also continuing to work on patron bonuses. Currently, we're clearing the pile of older requests that I hadn't fulfilled. And then we're going to be reaching out to everyone to get their new ones. If you're a patron, expect a, a message this week. Uh, me splitting time with uh, the Patreon stuff has been part of the reason it's been I've been moving a little slower on the family script. But then, hey, slow is a very relative term when it comes to me and this channel, isn't it? So, yeah. Uh, I'll be Twitch streaming this week, Tuesday and Friday. I'm switching from Thursday to Friday because my roommate has been doing a Zoom conference D&D &D night on Thursdays, and we've been getting some atrocious internet speeds. Um, all of my streaming could be subject to out outages as long as everyone in the neighborhood is home and streaming too. It is what it is. Still playing Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm enjoying it. Um, you know, Rockstar, I've, first of all, the, the, the world, the environment, the soundtrack, the look, everything is unbelievable. Um, Rockstar mission structure, about one in five, feels like it's really fun, clever, or original. And three out of five are groceries. Go to the thing, do the thing, give the thing to this person. Um, with the random gunfight, you know, uh, so it feels, uh, padded, but I'm still enjoying it. So definitely going to stick with it, uh, due to my inability to not finish a book once or, uh, to not quit a book once I've started it before I get into the fan fiction reading, uh, that was Twitch. I wanted to let you know that, um, uh, Sorry, lost my train of thought there. I'm Ian Nitrum on Twitter and youtube.com slash passion of the nerd. If you'd like to support the channel and keep me flush with Prozac and Paxil in this time of need, you can do so at patreon.com slash passion of the nerd. With the $5 and up club, you can join me in the hangout in two weeks-ish, where we'll be talking I've Got You Under My Skin and one of my favorite Angel Season 1 episodes by way of my own daddy issues. The Prodigal. You can also help out by grabbing yourself something from passionofthenerd.com slash store, where I have a curated list of my own recommendations for you, including my reading recommendations. Amazon purchases through there amount to you uh, buying me a double cheeseburger once a month, which I am not diminishing, because double cheeseburgers are amazing. And finally, if you're an Amazon Prime member, you may not realize this, but you can support me for free by using your monthly Amazon Prime subscription at twitch.tv slash thepassionofthenerd. All right, that's enough of that. Here is Gone, Chapter 12 by Terry Boda. Uh, links in the show notes to the previous chapter readings if you need to get caught up. And as ever, I did not... Get the chapter open before I started with the talking mouth, speaky type stuff. Chapter 12. Uh, widen this up a little bit. It took Spike close to three hours to make his way to the magic box. The woman who Joyce had hired as her assistant had been helpful in providing information about the guy. Hang on one sec, I think we've already read this chapter. We have read this chapter. We're on chapter 13. I knew that was going to happen eventually. I'm just very surprised that it took 
13 tries before I got the chapter number wrong. All right, chapter 13. The following night, Spike paid Joyce a visit at the hospital. Both Dawn and Buffy were already there, and Joyce was trying to convince her daughters to bring her something else to eat. Ah, lovely hospital food. There was a reason me and Drew would never feed on inpatients. He grinned to himself and patted the small box of chocolates he'd stashed away in his coat. Evening, ladies, he greeted, sauntering in. Dawn beamed at him, and he saw the first glimmers of the crush she was beginning to develop. Hi, Spike. Save a girl from a giant snake, and they just fall all over for you. Now, if only that'd work on the Slayer. Hello, Spike, Joyce said, a genuine smile on her face. Spike, Buffy said. Her voice was neutral, but her face was wary. I haven't quite got me figured out yet, have you, Slayer? I'm just full of surprises this day, ain't I? Once again... The accent only comes out by accident. I was in the neighborhood and decided to pop in. Did I hear you complaining about the food, Mum? Joyce looked guiltily. Well, I am used to a higher level, level of culinary choices. Spike grinned and pulled the chocolates out. Well, I might be able to sweeten the deal a bit for you. The woman's eyes lit up at the sight of the foil-wrapped box. Oh, you evil man, you. Buffy intercepted the contraband gift. Hey! Hey, no caffeine allowed. Doctor's orders, she announced. Then gave a little smile that gave her away. Dawn and I will just have to suffer and eat these for you. Hey, no fair. He smuggled those in for me. A little lax on the manners training, eh, Joyce? Spike commented. You know, in my day, we sent our girls to finishing school. Come come back right proper ladies, and they did. Never a bad word spoken or a fork out of place. This from Mr. Homicidal Killer, whose great love belonged in the loony bin, Buffy snapped, stung. Buffy! Joyce admonished, but Spike swallowed the pain and gave a shrug. What can I say? Love is blind. Or rather, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is, it is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. He recited the words of Corinthians, rolling off his tongue like a bittersweet memory. I love you, and will not fail. He stopped, and there was a moment of tense silence, then a doctor entered. Oh, hello, Dr. Kriegel. You've met my girls, Buffy and Dawn, Joyce said. Dr. Kriegel gave them a smile. Yes, of course, you two are becoming part of the regular crew around here. And this is, Joyce began, but Spike interrupted, shaking the doctor's hand. William. I'm a friend of the family. The doctor gave him a weak smile. Pleased to meet you, William. I'm sure Joyce is glad to have so many visitors. Just keeping her company, Buffy explained. Good for you. Just be careful you don't wear her out, the doctor warned. Don't worry about that. I woke up exhausted. There's really no more exhausted to get, Joyce said. Well, maybe some good news will help. The blood work has come back from the lab and everything seems fine, so we've gone ahead and scheduled your surgery for the day after tomorrow at 10 a.m in the a.m. How does that sound to you? Joyce managed a small joke. I think they have me scheduled for volleyball, but I'll work on it. Dr. Kriegel smiled at her attempt at humor. All right, then. Joyce, you take care. Make sure to get some good solid rest, and I mean that. Joyce's face fell as the doctor left, and she looked forlorn. What's wrong, Mom? The day after tomorrow? 
I, I don't know if I can stand to be stuck here for two more days just waiting. Waiting? Give me a break. We've got tons to do, Buffy said. Yeah, we've got soap operas to watch and trashy magazines to read, Dawn added. Can't miss those, Mom, Spike agreed. Oh, and a, an adjustable bed to fi fiddle with. That alone will be keeping me going for the next few hours, Buffy announced, discovering the controls. Now, Buffy, I really don't need you to stay here all night. I know you've got patrolling to do. Not tonight. Tonight I have Mom taken care of to do. Besides, Riley is filling in for me with the others. I'm sure they've got everything under control. You left the Scoobies with Soldier Boy? He blurted, knowing full well that Riley was spending more and more time at Willie's in the vamp whorehouse. Buffy looked defensive. He can handle it, and they know what to do. Still, I've noticed the captain's been a little off his game lately, looking a little paler than usual. More so than his white bread pasty. Buffy raised her chin. Riley's fine. He's just having a hard time right now. He's still recovering from the stuff the initiative did. You and him. And I'm... She trailed off. All the better reason for me to lend a hand. Besides, I like a spot of violence before bedtime. Impulsively, not thinking and not seeing the shocked looks Buffy and Dawn gave him, he leaned over and kissed Joyce on the cheek. Night, Mom. Gotta go. Stuff to kill. Joyce gave him a tender smile. Good night, Spike. He gave them an absent wave, and he swaggered out. Toodaloo. I'll pop by tomorrow. He didn't see Buffy staring at him. A deep frown on her face. All right. Um... Oh, heck. Let's do another one. Except we're hearing some baby cries right now. Let's give it a minute. Yeah, that's not going anywhere anytime soon. All right, friends. I'm just going to go ahead and end right there. Um, I'm serious about that hope thing. Uh, if spending a lot of time feeling miserable... If you're spending a lot of time feeling miserable right now, look, I think it's warranted, valid, justified by the current state of the world, and you don't have to do it. Um, if you're doing the social distancing, if you're managing your end of the contract, the social contract, and controlling the things you have control over, I kind of think that's enough. Give yourself a break. If you have the capability, and if ever there was a time to indulge in a little denial and distraction, it's now. One way or another, this time is going to pass, and none of us will be receiving ribbons at the end for most extended period of terror, or most pairs of pants shat during quarantine. I'm not generally competitive, but if they were giving those away, I would win. So, you know, that's really it, right? Give yourself a break, please. And I'll see you in a week.